everyone, and welcome to episode 297 of the Ask the Coach show, where King Skills helps you improve your table tennis. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey. Welcome, uh, listeners, and a uh, bit of a weather up- update. Melbourne has turned hot. It has, hasn't it? It's, it was cold for ages, and now hottest November for ever. 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 <laughs> in, in the history of the world, apparently. Yes. Are you, are you surviving the heat wave, Alloys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called uh, AC. AC, like it. Air conditioning. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, heat wave. Who would have thought? Melbourne, you just can't trust the weather. <laughs> As I said, it's a great city, but don't move here if you are concerned at all about weather. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, yes. Now, Alois, I, I really want to get straight into the joke of the week because I've got a ripper for you this week. Uh, I, I can hardly wait, Jeff. Yep, go for it. All right. An old guy in his Volvo is driving home from work when his wife rings him on his cell phone. Honey, she says in a worried voice, please be careful. There was a bit on the news just now. Some lunatic is driving the wrong way down the highway. Oh, it's worse than that, he replies. There are hundreds of them. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's you know, excellent. You, you must have been in this situation, Alois, when, you know, you think something, you know, there's like lunatics everywhere and then you realise that it's actually you that are the lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> often <laughs> often and 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 um living in australia of course we drive on the left hand side of the road and i have uh, driven in a couple of countries where they drive on the right hand side of the road and i'll tell you what it is hair raising you know just especially when you're turning a corner uh, and <laughs> you're turning and you're thinking which side do i go on again i know uh, and roundabouts are the worst roundabouts are difficult. That's Always right. looking the wrong way. Oh. <laughs> you know, I, I do have a funny story about driving on the wrong side of the road, Alice. I was in America where they drive on the other side to us. And I think when you're in a lot of traffic, it's you can just follow the other cars and it's all right. But we were like <laughs> on a highway driving out to maybe the Grand Canyon or something. And I'd pulled into this petrol station and filled up the car and there was no one around. So I came out and just started uh, driving on the wrong side of the road and no cars around. I was driving for like a kilometre, no problem, and it was at night time. And then in the distance, I saw these lights and I'm like, they look like they're on my side of the road. Oh, no. <laughs> you were the lunatic. Uh, exactly. But, <laughs> but you know, luckily, you know, I kind of saw it in enough time to move over and uh, we didn't crash. So all was good. Yeah, well, that is a good thing. Yeah, good thing. Good thing for your reflexes you develop with your table tennis. <laughs> yeah, set. exactly. Super reflexes. Yeah, <laughs> get back to the other side. Oh my goodness. Oh uh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, but no, I am. A, I am a very good driver. Honestly. Yeah. So, so that joke was actually about you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh dear. All right, Alois. It's time for on this week. Yes, on this week. Well, it was actually exactly one week ago was Jean-Michel Save's birthday. So uh, Jean-Michel was born in 1969, Jeff. 69. That makes him, that makes him old. 
<laughs> how old? How old does that make him? Forty-eight. Forty-eight years of age. Nearly wow, as old he... as you, Alloys. Oh, come on, mate. <laughs> come on. Uh, and I do. I do remember uh, Jean-Michel as a very young player when I. I got a chance to play against him at uh, my first World Championships in India in 1987. Ooh. So he would have been, yeah, he would have been uh, 18 or something like that, right? Did you take um, him down? No, no, no. But we, but Australia did beat Belgium uh, in that uh, in that match. Um, that was a long time ago. Australia doesn't uh, really beat Belgium anymore. No, um, they don't. So um, were we just really good back then, or were Belgium not as good? A uh, bit of both, mm. bit of both. Yeah, yeah it's so, always uh, a bit of both, isn't it? That's right. And uh, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, Belgium has definitely uh, upped their game since then, and and, main, and mainly through Jean Michel Save and and his brother Philippe. Mm. Um, yeah, the two of them came through together. So uh, yeah, so Jean Michel Save. So a little bit more about him. Um, as soon as I find my uh, notes, yes, here here they are. Um, and and I. Um, and I do believe it is his birthday. Like I sometimes I get these wrong, but, <laughs> but I've done some serious fact checking um, today. We but, do need um, to get a fact checker on this show, don't we? Because <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, exactly. Some of the things you come out with, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so he he of course famously made the final of the World Championships in 1993, uh, where he lost to Jean Philippe Gatien. Um, in that match, and yeah, it was good, very, very entertaining match. And uh, in in those days, you used to get Europeans in the final of uh, World Championships, yeah. believe it or not. Two Europeans um, in the final. Yeah, that's right. And also won a silver uh, World Championship medal in Osaka in the teams event. Um, so came second in the World Cup in 1994, um, and won a European. Men's singles as well in 1994. So yeah, he had a he had a pretty uh, good period there in his uh, in his career 93 94 where he was uh, really on top of the game. Yeah, yeah, very very good. And and 2001 Osaka silver in the teams. That's a pretty impressive effort from Belgium. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not a yeah. not a huge country, and yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. And also, uh, I suppose more famously now, he uh, he ran for president of the ITTF at the last elections this year, and um, he was pipped. Um, but, uh, yeah, he did he did run a, a strong campaign. Um, so, uh, yeah, Jean-Michel Save now moving into the administrative side of the game and, and trying to help the game in that way. Excellent. Well, happy birthday, Jean-Michel. All right, Alois, that brings us on to the tournament wrap. We've had um, some exciting tournaments recently. Yes, it's been a couple. So there was the the German Open was was um, a platinum event, um, and the 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 big big news there, I suppose, is that once again we had two Europeans in the final and two Germans at the German Open. Um, so Ovcharov uh, playing facing off against Bol again, as, as we know, they faced off against, uh, against each other in the um, Men's World Cup recently. Uh, where Ovcharov was the winner, and once again Ovcharov triumphing four games to three, eleven six in the seventh. But the semi was the match for me uh, when Ovcharov took out Fanzen Dong, and I watched that match uh, on ITTV. Uh, huge match, huge match. So um, uh, 
Ovtarov was down 3-2, took the sixth game 11-8, and then the 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 seventh game was an absolute cracker of a match, and uh, Ovtarov winning 15-13 in the seventh against Van Zendong. Both players having a few match points in there uh, before that as well. So, uh, so Ovtarov, you know, we've been a little bit worried about his his performance at big events, but. Boy, is he having a good few months now with the World Cup and now the German Open and taking out Fan Zendong um, in the semis as well. It's very impressive, isn't it? Like, he's just been thereabouts, you know, like always, you know, in the top 10 in the world, but we've just not been able to crack through some big events. Now the World Cup followed up by um, uh, this where he's beaten Fan Zendong. That'll give him a lot of confidence. Because some people yeah. might say the World Cup, you know, he didn't have to beat any good players. Well, obviously you have to to win the World Cup, but, you know, some people might say that. Um, and, but here, beating Fan Zendong, yeah, really got to boost his confidence. Yeah, and then coming up against uh, Timo Boll, and, and there's another story. I mean, Boll making the final of the German Open. Um, is this guy ever going to stop? Um, so he, he beat he beat Lin Gaoyuan. Um, again, um, so we know that uh, they had that famous match uh, where Lin Gaoyuan was up ten five or ten four, can't remember. But um, uh, and Bowl triumphed there four uh, three. This time it was a four one result, um, and it was fourteen uh, twelve in the fifth game. So Timo Bowl, you know, probably probably Lin Gaoyuan's bogeyman uh, at this stage. Um, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, bowl earlier beating uh, Simone Gorzi, you know, who's also been in good form. Um, and then in the semi beat Lee Seng Su, who had a victory over Zhu Zin. Now, in the, th- th- this, this was a quarterfinal match, and Lee Seng Su beat Zhu Zin 4 0, 6 9, 4 and 10. Uh, yeah, for me, that's a funny result, very strange result. Yeah, and it seems like um, Zuzin only just scraped through against Marcus Freitas in the round before. That's right, exactly. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, but when we talk about uh, the Swedish Open, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about Zuzin a little bit more, you know. So yeah, yeah. Well, so, so yeah, great, great tournament for uh, Dmitry yep. Ovtarov. Very impressive. Yeah. Yep. And in the in the women's. Um, at the German Open, the Chinese were um, dominant there with Chen Meng uh, winning the final uh, 4-3 again, um, 11-4 against Zhu Yuling. So, um, so Zhu Yuling, we know, won the World Cup, but uh, this time Chen Meng uh, the victor um, in, the, in the women's singles. And the semis uh, were Feng Yalan, um, who's been around a while but hasn't really cracked it. But uh, Feng Yalang beat Mu um, Hirano in the first round uh, to, you know, to get her into a good position in the draw and then beat Mima Ito in the quarterfinal as well, 4-1. Yeah, I was um, going to ask about the Japanese. Yeah. Uh, Ishikawa made this other semi, losing to Zhu uh, Yuling, 4-1. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Japanese are still thereabouts. But, uh, yeah, in the women's, the Chinese are still um, really dominant. Um but in um, might move on to the Swedish Open, which yeah. Uh, um, just which, just before we do that, no yeah. no Ma Long in the German Open. No, no Ma Long. So that's yeah, like with the new ranking system, like I said, that's going to really hurt Ma Long. So it'll be interesting to see that uh, the rankings when they come out with the new system. Yeah, and uh, and for me, I 
think that Ovcharov and that win against Fan Zendong in the semis probably gets him into number one position. Wow. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when, when the rankings come out, though. Certainly. Yeah. Um, right, sorry, then, yeah, yeah. Swedish Open? Yeah, Swedish Open. Um, it, the, um, it, it's, not a, it's not a platinum event now. It's just it's a world tour event. But, um, but the Chinese here did come through. So Chinese um, Fan Zendong uh, was the top seed. Um, faced up against Zhu Xin in the final, and Zhu Xin was the winner. So there you go. Zhu Xin coming through with the goods, um, including beating Harimoto in the second round, um, 11-9 in the seventh. So That's that was a tough probably... draw getting Harimoto in the second round. Yeah, exactly. And for Harimoto, probably a tough draw getting Zhu Xin in the second round too. Um, yeah, close match though? Uh, yeah, 4-3. Um, yeah, 11-9. 11-9 in the seventh. Can't get Whoa. too much closer than that. <laughs> So, um, and then Zuzin beat uh, Jonathan Groth, um, who had earlier beaten Matsudaira. Um, then he beat Fang Bo in the semi, four uh, two, and then uh, took out Fan Zendong four one in the final. And in the, res- the the scores, you know, a bit funny. Like he he lost the first six, then won seven nine six and two. So mm. I haven't actually seen haven't actually seen that match, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's happening with the Chinese team, but but you know, good to see them back on top again. Um, yeah, so so uh, no of Tarov or Bol um, at the Swedish Open. Yeah, see, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? How the how the um, different countries choose the events they're going to play in. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 So this being a world tour event, I suppose, and uh, you know, of Tarov and Bol have had a couple of big. Uh, Big tournaments under their belt, so um, yeah, they they didn't they didn't front up for this one. And but yeah, interesting that the Chinese did. Yeah, so, certainly. Yeah, and then in the uh, women's, I'll just get to the women's event. Yes. Um, so Chen Jing Tong um, took out Zhu Yuling in the semis, and then beat Ding Ning in the final four three eleven nine in the seventh. So Chen Jing Tong, one of the one of the young players uh, coming through. Um, who uh, who I've had the chance to see, yeah, and, and yeah, exciting exciting player, uh, yeah, one of one of the uh, one of the up and coming young Chinese players. So uh, big breakthrough for her. Uh, yeah, because be, it seems be, like some of the the Chinese women have been established for a long time. So it'd be interesting to see some youngsters come through. Yeah, yeah, Chen Jintong, and then they've got Gu Yuting as well, mm-hmm. um, who lost to Ishikawa in the quarterfinal, but in seven games. Um, and then Ishikawa losing to Ding Ning in the semi. So yeah, interesting, interesting couple of tournaments there. Um, but and as you said, you know the the world rankings will be interesting now after uh, after these c- couple of uh, big events. Yeah. So who who ends up on top? And um, there is the Spanish Open going on at the moment as well. So um, so not a not a um, strong field with um, you know the top players in the world. So in the men's Gardos. Um, is the number one seed, mm-hmm. uh, and in the women's, uh, it's uh, Hina Hayata. Yeah, the Japanese always there. Um, yep. Hina Hayata, um, number one seed in the women's. So yeah, yeah. interesting. And and that um, that finishes on Sunday. So uh, so you can watch watch out for that event as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so lots, of, 
Yeah, yeah, lots of tournaments. Yeah, lots of tournaments. Great to see. And and I, I do like the sound of the new ranking system. We'll have to see how it works in practice. If you haven't heard about it, it was on our last podcast, so uh, episode 296. Or we've also had a guest blog post from Matt Salt, who was involved in, in the creation of the new system. Um, so check that out on pingskills.com. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the new ranking system. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, and you know anything that encourages participation rather than discourages uh, participation, and you know pe- players are worried about losing. Um, I think uh, is a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, you get points for how far you get in the tournament, so you don't necessarily get penalised for losing to a weaker player or anything. Yeah, I think it's going to be good, and hopefully it will promote the pro tour or the world tour uh, more. All right, Alois, it is time for the tip of the week. Yeah, and this is one we, this is one we do talk about a little bit, but the tip of the week is join a club. Um, now we often we often get um, emails and questions um, about joining a club, and you know, often players say, "Oh, well, when I get better, I'll join a club." And I think it's important to to understand that um, a lot of clubs have a wide variety of players there, including beginners, you know, beginners right up to uh, professional players. And if you can get in there and and join a club early in your development, often in that situation you can find people to help you. You know, there might be coaching at the club. Um, You might see other players and just get good images and and pictures of of what um, good technique looks like by watching the better players at the club. So, um, yeah, the tip is to just try to join a club but join a club early and and you know go down there have a look um and see if you can uh join there even when you are beginning to play the game yeah yeah it's a great tip um you just get exposed to so many more techniques and and the availability of hitting with different people and uh different ways of practicing uh it it really makes a huge difference to improving your game i think if you're just trying to improve at home just with you and a friend, it's that's good. But by going to a club, your progress is just going to skyrocket. And, and this, this was something really pertinent to you too, Jeff, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 certainly. Yeah, yeah. It made a big difference going down to a, to, to a club and getting involved. And, yeah, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. So, yeah, so Jeff found, you know, once he, once he got down to a club, you, that, exactly what he spoke about, you know, he got a chance to see a whole lot of different players and you, you get a chance to um, to just actually see what the game's about. So, um, or, yeah. you know, at, at the high level. Exactly. And so many more opportunities to play. You can get involved in tournaments. You can start travelling. It just opens up a whole world that you might not even ever knew existed if you didn't visit the club so yeah get down there join a club find one near you and uh just do it awesome great tip that brings us on alloys to the drill of the week okay so the drill of the week this week is just um uh, around serving so um you know a lot of players talk to me and say that their serves aren't very good and, and things but and I always ask them you know well how much time do you actually spend on practicing your serve um, and often the only service practice players get is when they play in a match or you know they might practice um, a few rallies and things and they're practicing their serve in there but it's hard to focus 
completely on your serve when uh, initially you've got someone at the other end of the table because when when you you've got someone at the end of the table you're worried about serving faults and if you serve a fault you know the other person's waiting and if you serve five faults in a row the other person's waiting so uh, the tip is to just spend five or ten minutes of just practicing your serve without anyone at the other end of the table or even away from a table and just trying to generate as much spin as you can on the ball and don't worry about where the ball goes. So don't worry about if you are serving correctly, but firstly, just generate as much spin as you can um, on that ball. So you can even do it, as I said, away from the table and just let the ball land on the floor and just um, watch and see how much spin you're getting on it. Um, or you can, uh, you know, just serve it on the table um, and just watch what the ball does when it uh, when it bounces on the table as well. Without having the other person at the other end, it doesn't matter if you serve 10 faults in a row, but if you're, you're striving towards getting a better contact and better spin, then that's uh, that's progress. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that a lot, Alois. And, um, you know, serving's not uh, only about um, spin and, you know, variation's really important. But to get some good variation, you need to be able to have, you know, a serve that you can get a lot of spin on. So um, it is an important skill to develop. And it's it's not easy because you've got to get that real fast brushing contact. So it does take practice. So I like the idea of, you know, taking away all that pressure and just, you know, concentrating on getting that fast brushing contact and getting as much spin as you possibly can. Excellent. Great, uh, great tip of the week and drill of the week there, Alloys. Thank you. All right. That brings us on to the questions. Have you, have you got your thinking cap on, Alloys? Oh, yeah, sort of. It's a bit hot, though. But, yeah, I'll... Uh, I'll uh, you do your best? I'll work on it, yes. All right, cool. All right. First up is a question from Scott, who asked about his position when serving. He says, I've been working on both my pendulum serve and the reverse pendulum serve. And he says, our videos always show these serves being done from the corner of the table. Is it a good idea to adjust the starting position to the middle or far corner to get some variety in the trajectory of the serve? Is there a weakness to this that I should be looking at to exploit if my opponent serves from another position? Yeah, Scott, I think this is a really good one. Um, it's something that I think players don't do enough is vary the position of where they're serving from. Um, and you're right, um, you know, mostly the pendulum serve and the reverse pendulum serve are served from the, you know, deep in your backhand corner. The reason that players serve from there is that with the follow-through, it's easy to get into uh, that central and ready position and move into into the next ball. And um, almost, Alois, so it's a little bit um, better for forehand-orientated players um, yep. because you kind of can cover three quarters with your forehand and just that last quarter with your backhand. Yeah, and I, and I think the pendulum and reverse pendulum are probably um, better for uh, forehand-oriented players anyway. So uh, so that's why they tend to tend to serve you know from deep in that backhand corner. Yeah, but uh, um, I guess these days, you know, it seems like the professionals, like especially with the returner serve, are moving over to play their backhand, and in some ways, their backhands are getting stronger. So I'm not sure if the reasoning holds as much as it as it used to. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's now yeah now a stage where you're right that players' backhands are you know almost as strong, if not yeah. Some some of them are stronger, but um, and, and what I what I sort of pick up on this is that the 
the forehand still looks stronger, but often they play them from like a step back, whereas the backhand, they're just taking off the bounce. I'm talking about the top players here, off the bounce. Yeah. And even if they don't look as strong, because they're taking them so early, they really cut down on the opponent's time and, and just, just give them no opportunity to, to react to their shots. Yeah, true. But, but, but they're still... F- most of them are still finishing with the forehand. Um, you know, their bigger mm. their bigger strokes are still um, still with their forehand. But um, yep. anyway, yeah, um, so getting back to Scott um, there though, um, just varying that position I think is is a is a good idea because you just give your opponent a different look um, at a different serve, just coming from you know a slightly varied angle, um, which can take. A little bit of time to get used to. So, you know, if you throw throw one in, so mo- move over to the middle of the table, or move even move over to the forehand corner of the table once, um, and throw in a serve from there. I think that's a great idea. It's a, it's a good uh, way to get a cheap point um, sometimes. But if you get, or, or if you're always serving it, for the, especially the the pendulum serve from your forehand corner, I think. If you're, or getting back to Scott's comment again, if your opponent is serving from that forehand corner all the time, then they're leaving a gap on their backhand side. So, so that's where I would return that ball to initially. So, you know, um, if they're over in the in their forehand corner using the pendulum serve, try to just direct that return deep and wide into their backhand corner as much as you can. Uh, because that's a diff- difficult movement uh, from that forehand corner to the backhand uh, to get there in time mm. to uh, get your return. Okay, so it is kind of a balance because it sounds like there is a bit of a weakness there that you're opening up your backhand, and unless you're a really strong backhand player, there might not be a problem. But, um, yeah, but then it does give your opponent a different uh, look at the serve, so, yeah, so it might be worth trying. Yeah, interesting. I, 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 yeah I never liked it. Um, when my opponent served that uh, pendulum serve from the forehand corner, it was always I don't know, the, the ball just came at me at a at an angle that I don't like. Um, yeah, and you're not used to. And you're not used to exactly. So yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely worth a try. So yeah, some good thoughts there, Scott. Yeah, I like it, Scott. Give it a try. One thing to note though is it's actually even though you're serving the same serve, it does feel different. Uh, from serving from different positions. So you, if you're going to do that in a match, you do need to practice serving from those different positions so you get the feel for it. Yeah, true. And and also where that ball's likely to come back to you so that you can uh, play that follow-up ball. Yeah, all right. Yeah, no, great point, Scott. Love your thinking. Yeah, don't just follow blindly what everyone else is doing. Try different things, and I think you'll find it'll be successful because people aren't used to uh, receiving... Um, serves from different positions. All right, well done, Scott. All right, next question, Alois, is from Chandra Chur. And he says, can you show me a serve which can create all types of spins depending on the point of contact and is also used by good players? Yeah, sure, Chandra Chur. Well, basically, any serve that you do, you can vary the contact point and get different types of spins. Um, I suppose the the pendulum serve is the easiest one to see and to uh, to copy initially, um, but the the top players with all of their serves they're varying the spin um, a little bit. Whether it's the pendulum, the reverse, um, the backhand, the tomahawk, um, they're all getting diff- slightly different types of spins. 
So if you uh, imagine the pendulum serve to start off with is, uh, and uh, well, sorry, the, the path of your racket goes in a semicircle. So it starts by going down, it reaches the bottom, and then it starts coming up. So if you hit the ball or contact the ball when that bat is on the way down in the arc, then you're going to um, be able to get some backspin on the ball. If you contact the ball when the bat is later in the arc and on its way up, then you'll get topspin on the ball. So, again, with the same serve, with the same swing, you're able to get two different types of spin on the ball. And then you can apply that theory to uh, to all of the serves, um, yeah, to, to get different types of spins. Yeah, and, and it doesn't really matter what serve it is, does it? I mean, you can always just hit it on different parts of the arc because most serves you can have some kind of arc um, to get different spins. Yeah, that's correct. So, and, and we, yeah, sorry, go. Yeah, we co- we cover this uh, pretty extensively in the um, uh, serving secrets um, section of our site. Yeah, um, where we where we show you, um, especially in the must learn serve section, um, a whole variety of serves, and, and for each of those serves, we'll show you how to generate different types of spins. Yeah, um, just just to promote it a little bit, Alice, I, I think it's a really good section of the website, and, um, you know, for a lot of the serves there, we give you some exercises to do to really test out that you're understanding how to get the spin. Um, yeah, so definitely definitely take a, a look at that. Of course you like it. You've, you're, you're the star in it, Jeff. That's why. <laughs> Oh dear! Yes, indeed, and and it does get um it does get more complicated as well, Alois. Like you can start off just by uh, varying the spin like that, but then you can also vary how much you're brushing the ball, the speed with which you're hitting the ball, just to get different uh, amounts of spin on the the ball as well. And then you can place the ball differently. So that this is why serving, you know is something we can just always keep working on and always improve throughout our you know, our whole table tennis career. Exactly. It's a big part of the game. Yeah, get onto that section and have a look at Jeff doing all those fancy serves. <sighs> I think you do a few too, Alois. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next question is from Harkaran. It says, Hi, Alois and Jeff. I am not very good at handling pressure in a knockout situation in a tournament with the fear that I will end up losing at the tournament. And that's always happening to me. The fear increases with every tournament. Please help me handle this situation. Yeah, Harkaran. I think the first and the and one of the most important things to understand is that most people are feeling exactly the same way as you do. So when you're playing your opponent, they're feeling the same way. They're, um, they're feeling that same type of pressure. They're worried about winning and losing. So if you can start to develop some strategies around it, then you're ahead of the game. Then you're, then you're going to start to, um, you know, be able to handle things better than the, the guy up the other end of the table. Um, so I think the first thing is to just recognise uh, your own feelings and recognise when you are starting to get nervous and, and what's happening to your body. Um, and then from there, you can start to think about some strategies of what you're going to do when you recognize those feelings. Um, some simple techniques that we talk about, uh, you know, just a, a nice deep breath to try to center yourself. Um, 
also using a pre-point routine and a pre-match routine. So there's some really simple ideas that you can use. And the other the other important thing I think is to is just your whole mindset about the tournament. So if you're always worried about winning and losing, then that will be the first thing in your mind and it will be hard to play. But if your focus is on just trying to play the best table tennis that you can play, then that suddenly changes things. So now it's not a, a, a kill or be killed type situation with your opponent. It's it's more about what you're doing if and, and focusing on uh, your ability and your ability to improve, uh, improve your own game and to play uh, your own game well. So, um, have a, have a think about those few thoughts. Um, we do have a uh, sports psychology section on the site as well, um, and in that sports psychology section, um, yeah, there's some there's some good um, uh, videos for you to to take a look at as well. You know about um, about recognizing your feelings and um, etc. So so take a look through that section, and we'll put a link um, in the show notes um, for you to. To uh, to go straight to there. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating subject. Sports psychology applies in you know table tennis, but any sort of competitive uh, environment. Um, Alois, as you know, you know I've been uh, going to a few cubing competitions where you know you have to try and solve various puzzles, and you know especially the first few ones, I was like so nervous when I was going there to compete, and you know my hands would be shaking, and it just it just it seems strange. Like, why am I so nervous? It's, it's crazy. Um, but it happens to everyone. Um, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, there's a a few things like just going to more competitions, just getting used to the environment. Um, you know, that helps without even like thinking about the sports psychology a lot. But like you said, Alice, it's important to try and recognize, you know, when you are getting nervous and having some strategies to deal with it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's such a big topic and fascinating, uh, fascinating, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, you're right, it, it is fascinating. And, and you know, just understanding that the, the guy up the other end is probably feeling the same way. And if you can start to make just small steps uh, towards having better control of that, that emotion, um, then you'll, you, you are, you're going to be ahead of the game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, you know, I found it interesting with the with the cubing, you're not really directly competing against anyone. And you know, I knew I was um slow compared to the rest of the people, so it's not like I'm going to be winning or losing. So there's not there's not really anything on the line for me when I'm competing, but it's just, you know, the fact, oh, I really want to do well. Here's my chance. I don't want to stuff it up. It's kind of yeah, it's just some of those thought processes. So you've kind of got yeah. to get those thought processes under control as well. Yeah. So do you think it's then just that um, that self um, ego, I suppose, to 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 be able to show people what you are capable of doing? Yeah, I think that's part of it. You're like, oh, I want to show people that I'm better. But like you said, Alice, um, or like you've said in past episodes on here, the your own expectations have to be aligned in reality like if you're just not capable of uh, of playing at a certain level like say you're not you're not say you're like a c grade player for example and then you're trying to beat a b grade player it's unlikely you're going to win but if you go out there expecting you're going to win it really puts a lot of pressure on you that's um uh, not helpful so yeah yeah 
Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's a good point. So going to a lot of competitions, tournaments definitely helps. Um, but also, you know, just practicing and getting better and developing more skills, you know, is going to help you as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Th- there's some things without even looking at the at the psychological so- side of it. Just attending more competitions and, you know, improving your skills definitely help you. But, yeah, yeah. such a big area. I think it's important that, yeah, you do have... Yeah, I guess take that ego out of it and just just focus on you know, as I say, point by point. Yeah, no, and and you're right. Um, uh, with the with the go to more tournaments, you know, one of the one of the main reasons we start to get nervous or or um, or anxious about anything in life is because is when we do something for the first time or or do something that's different. Um, that we haven't done before, you know. So you talked about going to cubing competitions for the first time. Um, once once you feel comfortable because you've been there uh, a lot before, um, you know, if, you, if you're attending your 100th tournament, you are going to feel more comfortable than uh, when you're attending your first one or two tournaments because you understand what's going on, you know the, the processes, you know um, the routine of what, what you need to do. Um, so, yeah, the, the more you can do it um, will definitely help. Yes, excellent. All right, well, hark around. Hopefully that helps you out. And, you know, uh, remember you're not alone. Uh, everyone at some point is going to be feeling nervous. So, um, yeah. Take a look through that sports psychology section and uh, good luck for your next tournament. All right, Alloys, that is a wrap. Uh, episode 297 done. We're closing in on episode 300. Who would have thought 300 shows? Yeah, wow. 300 shows. And, we, and, and as usual, we're always think, trying to think of ideas for these the, the big landmark shows. We're not very good at these ideas, so if you've got some... Um, some ideas for our three hundredth show, um, as long as they're reasonable. Yeah, um, yeah. Send we'll, it through. Uh, Maybe go to the Pingsills page and click on the little contact us icon on the bottom of each page and send us a message. Yeah, this sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, uh, listeners. Always a pleasure to have you listening to the show, and thank you, Alloys. Thank you, Jeffrey. We'll speak to you soon. Bye.